0: Welcome to What Bubbles Up, a conversation over beers about ideas, where they come from, the process people use to get there, and how to know when they're truly great. Now, here are your hosts, Phil and Barry.
1: What's poppin', everybody? Welcome to Episode 9 of What Bubbles Up, Woohoo! show about ideas, where they come from, and how do you know they're great. We have a wonderful show lined up for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking with someone who has some very interesting perspectives on the need, or perhaps not, of physical spaces in the age of COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a very timely topic, and we're uh, looking forward to having it. But first order of business, as always, is to ask each other, what are you drinking? Barry, what are you drinking?
2: All right, Phil, I'm prepared. I studied the fridge for at least 20 seconds and pulled this one out here. This is this is uh, from Rising Tide, which I think is a, a brewery up in Portland, Maine. And this is Ishmael Copper Ale. Has a has a whale on it. I love it. It's like a live beer aboard or, so, or live beer on board is the saying on it. So I'm oh. going to enjoy this one. Ooh, Ooh, oh, there you go. Foamy. Very, very uh, Melvillian. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this
1: one. What are you drinking, Phil. Well, um, uh, likewise, I spent a whole lot of time thinking about this, maybe 10 seconds, in fact. But uh, (laughs) uh, the the truth of the matter is, uh, this is a good one. Uh, It's from the New Realm Brewing Company. They're based in Virginia Beach, as well as Georgia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, uh, south of uh, where I am. Mm. Um, It is Mm. an IPA, like I tend to do all the time, called Hazy Like a Fox. Um, It is 6.5% uh, made with uh, azaka,
2: Eldorado, mosaic, and citra hops. We're going to pop it open and see what happens. All right. Awesome. So, F- Phil, I-, I just have to warn you. I think we're being outclassed in the whole what are you drinking here. So, Marianne, Marianne, Marianne Weiss, what do you tell us? What are you drinking?
0: So, I'm drinking a home brew. So, my oh. husband is a big home brewer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this one is the Fox Run Brewery right here in my house. Um, It is a Miss Marianne Saison, which is a uh, hibiscus uh, Saison ale. And it was cribbed after a McKellar beer that my husband and I drank in a tiny little pub in Reykjavik.
2: Mm, Wow. Look at that. You yeah. and I spent some time in the fridge, and Marianne is drinking a home brew that was crafted for her personally by her husband. I, we are great respect.
1: Yeah, that, hats oh. off and caps off.
2: Yeah. Why don't I introduce Marianne here? We'll, we'll dive right in. This is this is awesome. So you and I, uh, so you have worked for Elkisman Freddy, which is a, a great firm. You've worked for Gensler, and you and I met Uh, originally, when we were designing an office building together, it was a really massive project. It was 250,000 square feet of space, 13 floors, a two-story glass amphitheater. It was going to be awesome. And it was based around a bunch of principles that we were excited about at the time, activity-based work. So we got rid of offices and there were like shared desks that everyone would sort of use together. Um, We, we, created a lot of these uh, collaborative spaces and community spaces. And basically, nobody had any private space. It was all sort of this collective space. And now I think about the fear that everyone has right now with coming into contact with everybody. And honestly, that building is sitting empty. It's a, it's a crazy turn of events and makes me kind of question, I guess, a lot of some of the ideas we had back then to design the building. I mean, this has got to be just a transformative moment for people like you in design.
0: So it is. And what's interesting is that some of those things that we designed for five years ago are still mm. valid, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. space still matters, right? um activity based work still matters cuz activity based work is about doing work mm. in a given space and not being tethered to a place right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're doing the ultimate activity based work experiment right now we're just yeah. doing it out of our homes whether it's yeah. on the family room couch the kitchen the dining <laughs> room standing up yes. in your bedroom yes
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're you're choosing to move around your household right so we're still doing that. And tech is supposed to be able to bridge the gap for us there. And you know, so far we found out that tech is mostly able to bridge the gap. And we've we always talked about deprioritizing private spaces. Well, that's true because your private space is now work from home in this sort of new workplace experience, right? The private yeah. office is where you are right now. Right. Um, and nobody wanting to share a desk you can totally get on board with that. Everybody's a little anxious about the possibility of sharing surfaces. The good news is, um, some of the research that's been coming out is that it's not so much the surfaces that we have to worry about as much as the airborne. So we can choose to make surfaces less porous and therefore more cleanable and less, you know, holding on to those nasty viruses. Um, but trying to get people back inside a space that feels unsafe in some way is really tough. We have to build back that trust. And That's so right. did we get it wrong? I don't think so for the time we were designing in because nobody expected the COVID outside of you know, those people in the CDC and the WHO. The rest of us, the general public, did not expect
1: this.
2: Yep. And this is like yep.
0: one big bag Monty Python skit.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. We are the knights who say, don't touch my stuff. Yes.
0: Don't <laughs> touch my stuff. Or nobody expects the COVID.
1: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, speaking of which, I mean, you talked about gaps. There's still some gaps to close. A lot of it is around, um, you know, uh, the expectations of space. A lot of it is, you talked a lot about uh, human interaction. Are, mm-hmm. are those gaps? Are, are there really gaps when productivity is higher than it has been, uh, you know, pre-COVID, um, arguably, arguably, uh, and uh, what do we miss when we're not interacting with one another at a at a physical level?
0: So, what's interesting is we just did a webinar this week for the Workplace Innovation Committee for IIDA New England, and mm-hmm. it was completely interactive. And what we asked people a series of questions, and they talked about whether or not they felt they were equally as effective pre. COVID to post-COVID, right? Are you doing just as much work? And most of the people, more than half of the people felt that they were equally as effective and some people felt that they were more, Mm -hmm. right? So, but what they're missing is collaboration, the Mm -hmm. ability to collaborate one-on-one or in a group, the social aspects of work they're missing and this idea of connection and people. We're all just tired of seeing the same faces in our house or in our neighborhood or in our little COVID circle or pod. Mm -hmm. We're looking for more kinds of interactions um, that we can't get. So those are the things that are starting to fall down um, in terms of the technology just isn't supporting that. The way that we would like it to it's not the same analog
2: yeah i i agree I, i that is the thing that i really miss about the office is it's not that oh i had a space where it was quiet or i had a space where i can spread out in a way that can be replaced maybe even better at home frankly but it was the um sort of the the unexpected crashing into people that I normally maybe wouldn't have thought to collaborate with, that I bounce an idea off of and they give me a completely different perspective. I find mm-hmm. I find the work from home thing is very much like um social media in that I, I'm only really talking to people who already kind of agree with me and mm-hmm. already are sort of like on my wavelength. And what I'm not getting are those those accidents that kind of change my opinion and help me see a different way. And for someone like us, where we're supposed to be coming up with surprising ideas, I, I do worry that, that there's a little bit of a, you know, the freshness is going to kind of wear off. And I think we're at the, the, the opportunity for us to just repeat ourselves and not venture into new territories is, you know, it's, it's kind of dangerous. So, I mean, like I, how, how do we start to think about designing spaces that are going to make people comfortable to get back together? Because I do think a lot of people recognize that there's something magical that happens when you can crash into people in a physical space. Mm
0: -hmm. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's so much research that's actually showing that the technology is not able to replace that right now. Mm. And it's going to take a couple years of development before they're even going to come close, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got to figure out a way. And the other thing is thinking about diversity of opinions. Like how do you, that thing where you went to the coffee machine and you got a cup of coffee and you ran into somebody that worked on somebody else that you never see, Mm -hmm. um, you can't just orchestrate that. That's not, that's kind of like spontaneity the spontaneity of the connection doesn't come across as well over technology because you got to schedule the goddamn thing, yeah.
2: right? <laughs> yeah, <Sure. laughs>
0: So yeah. therefore yeah. it's no longer spontaneous and fun. It's just another thing that you have to get done on your list, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. say, hey, I
2: want to have an argument with you at 2.30. Are you free at 2.30? <laughs> Let's argue you at 2.30. An impassioned speech
1: between the hours of 2.15 and <laughs> 2.45. But, but what is, uh, isn't there something though to it that, you know, essentially, we need to just just flip the script, and mm. um, we talk a lot in sort of digital product design and, and digital strategy about um, letting the technology do our bidding. And I feel like right now it's the other way around.
0: I think you're absolutely correct on that.
1: Yeah, we're conforming ourselves, and and to great effect. I, I would I would add mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to. This, you know, how we're interacting now through through Zoom and just getting accustomed to the Brady Bunch view of, <laughs> you know, faces and squares, um, you know, without without the bad hair, hopefully. But it's it's, you know, how do we flip the script, Marion? How do we how do we uh, take hold of our humanity when the only thing that connects us is technology?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is one aspect of ten- technology that somebody was talking about uh, recently that I thought was actually really good that we should make sure that we don't lose, is that all the heads in the squares democratizes everybody. Mm. Like Mm. no one head is bigger than anybody else's head, right? So the perceived or uh, actual levels in importance in the workplace can actually be like flattened in a a real way using this kind of thing. But then how do we continue to grow and create and um, sort of replace that moment where you're getting together with people and you're getting that spark. And, you know, there's lots of tools out there that are trying to do it, but it's just not the same thing. And people are dying to get back into the workplace. And so there's a couple things that we can do to make the workplace more space. We, uh, safe. We were talking about the idea that, you um, you know there's like this social contract now between whoever owns the building the landlord your employer between them and the employee that they're going to give you uh, a safe space for you to come back into the workplace yeah, right yeah. so and how do you show them that's a safe space right so you know the first idea is to make it as transparent and as interactive as possible right so you need to show them that you're cleaning the space there needs to be signage on how you're going to get around the space so you maybe the corridors are turning one way as opposed to Having two-way corridors, um, getting yourself up through the building stack is a whole other yep. sort of jigsaw puzzle. Getting through yep. the elevators, things like that. So most of the stuff that would have been hidden at night, done by the cleaning through, actually now has to be out in front. So the back right.
2: of house comes yeah. forward. Yeah, I I love that idea. You had talked about Marianne that that it that. That's an important part of design now, but it also, it can't be what you call, and this made me laugh, cleanliness theater, that it had <laughs> to actually be true. Yes. Um, so, I mean, t- t- talk, talk, a, talk a little bit about sort of bigger ideas now. I mean, you're designing for health and you're designing for wellness. Like how, what are the real meaningful things that you can kind of design for now that maybe we should have always been doing, but hopefully this pandemic is kind of like bringing to the fore.
0: So the spaces that we have, the interior spaces that we have should really be supporting the lives within of the people, right? So we spend 90% of our lives Mm -hmm. inside, right? Mm -hmm. So those spaces inside should actually be um, helpful and supportive of the people. So um, things like the well-building, uh, international well-building, um, are have been sort of leading the front on this about how to create interior spaces that actually support the lives of the users within. Um, during this pandemic, they've really stepped up and they've actually done a bunch of um, iterations on this third-party certification. So you can actually go out and um, get your... Um, interior space certified that it meets all these criteria in terms of health and wellness, safety, cleanliness, mm-hmm. things like that, and actually get it certified by a third party certifier. Mm-hmm. And that third party certifier is supposed to come like every so often. So not only is your cleaning crew doing it, but you're actually getting this little badge on the wall that tells you that somebody else is making sure that the cleaning clue is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, there's all kinds of sort of signage and, um, wayfinding and and sort of explanation of what all these things are that kind of help you feel more comfortable that people are following through that many hoteliers are already doing that like marriott and hyatt like partnering with certain people and actually publicizing their cleanliness standards so that people can feel more comfortable um Mm -hmm. And then it's what do you do with the HVA systems? And that's a whole other ball of wax that Mm -hmm. has to do with what's inside the building and how clean is the system. Mm -hmm. And they're still unraveling that particular ball of twine right now.
1: Well, there's a there's a local restaurant here in the uh, in the D.C. area that uh, is their their whole marketing spin recently is we just spent five hundred thousand dollars on a new filtration system that basically eradicates you know all viruses that are coming into and no we couldn't afford it but we feel so passionately about opening our restaurants yeah. again yeah. that it's a yep. worthwhile investment. Now come on in. Uh, and that's that's kind of the 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 other angle to this. It's not just about the future of work; that's the future of play as well. So let's talk a little bit about you know how we can start to enjoy ourselves on from a vacationing standpoint. Yeah, and, and just the the, the <laughs> nice struggle. hotels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the struggles that are facing the travel and hospitality industry as a whole, but then specifically you know hotels and restaurants where the communal space is the thing. Mm -hmm. It is everything, in fact.
0: Yeah, and so some of my clients who are hoteliers who also have food and beverage venues, uh, you know, they're really struggling with this right now. Um, They've got tons of cleaning protocols in place. They are aerating the rooms after people leave. They have a specific amount of time that they're keeping, more amount of time that they're keeping between one person who occupies the room and the next. Some of them have even talked about, um, you know, to go back to the cleanliness in this theater, to wait, to turn the room until the next guest gets there so they mm-hmm. can actually see the housekeeping staff turning the room so that they know it's actually clean, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that you walk into a clean room. You know that somebody took out all that old stuff and put in new things. Yeah, um, yeah um, that's,
1: that's not just a, a physical design challenge. That's what we call a service design challenge as well. Service. Now you have to you have to manage your capacity planning and staffing, you know, scheduling around, you know, used to be how, how to make them the most invisible. Now it's how to make them the most visible visible. present.
2: Yeah.
0: And service doesn't matter. It's still, it's still the most important thing in the hospitality realm. So whether you are going out to dinner somewhere or whether you are, um, staying overnight in a hotel. Like if you think about it in some ways, um, the hospitality, um, field has always been about the heart of the house, right? Like how can we serve you? How can we make your stay more comfortable? And with Mm -hmm. people feeling uncomfortable around their health and safety, they have to be even more empathetic. So the mask wearing and the glove wearing and the cleaning and making sure that people understand their cleaning protocols and what can we do to make you more comfortable? The touchless check-in, the, you know, you don't have to touch this, that, or the other thing, you know, Mm -hmm. you can have your food brought to your room, or you can eat outside on a patio if that makes you feel more comfortable, right? Yeah, All yeah. of that kind of protocol in place is this new dance that they're doing. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I. What do you think of um, some of how uh, technology can help here? Whether it is like some of the hotels that are designing for keyless entry or some of the restaurants that are designing. So you literally order and sort of peruse menus from your phone. And so there's less sort of like interactions with the wait staff. Um, have you seen good examples of that or bad examples? like what how are you thinking about that in terms of how you would design a restaurant going forward?
0: So the hotel industry has been on the cusp of doing sort of like contactless um, mm-hmm. entry with you know your iPhone apps and stuff like that for years. And mm. it's a big investment, right? Yeah. And now they are being forced to make that investment. So I think that's going to just become natural and something that happens every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPad sort of ordering and things like that, that has become more prevalent. I, I don't know if you've kind of seen restaurants around DC and Boston where you've already done that. Yeah. And I think it's, I think there's going to be kind of like a high low, right? There yeah. are going to be places where this Say you have um, some of the F&B venues, like we've talked about, the fact that maybe private dining rooms where you can actually control the number of people that are in that dining room and you know the number of people that are in there will become more prevalent. Um, Open kitchens where you can see the food being made and making sure your servers are having all their masks and gloves on. Yeah. So, and this idea of like white glove service might get even more white glove, so to speak, right? Maybe even more personalized, but but that's for the people who can actually afford it. For the regular folks, I think, you know, the general word of the day is going to be lots of cleanliness, lots of mask wearing and lots of social distancing and lots of outdoor spaces, which is not a bad thing. Think about how your local places have been transformed by, having a cafe outside in the parking lots.
2: Yeah. Some of them have. It's interesting for me though, because I, I mean, part of the reason I like to go to dinner is actually to interact with uh, the people there and to ask them what do they like and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it, I'm sort of torn. I mean, I'm a, I'm a digital guy, obviously I love to design these experiences that become like frictionless and sort of like incredibly convenient, but but there's no doubt that part of why I like to, in the past, go out with people is to talk with the people there, but to talk with the other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess it brings me to the, the, the one of the big points that you made to us earlier, Marianne, which is, you know, obviously, as you're, if you're a designer and you're thinking of ideas now, you're, you're really thinking about transparency, as you talked about. You're thinking about sort of health and safety in in how and how your design is affecting that. You're thinking about um, designing for wellness Um, but you're also trying to think about sort of this bigger thing, which is designing for connection. That is what Mm -hmm. we have kind of lost. You know, there's a difference between, you know, just seeing someone on a zoom call or seeing or talking to someone over the phone. So you, so you have to, those seem like competing things like, like the safest way to design a space might have the least amount of connection. And yet the thing you're trying to replace is how can we create opportunities for people to kind of connect? That's the reason spaces will exist in the future, arguably. Maybe not the efficiency reason anymore because we've Mm -hmm. proven we can do that other ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like how do you think about designing for connection when you're also trying to design for health and safety? Right.
0: So I think we have to realize that, you know, sort of the safety and the health and wellness and the transparency is going to be table stakes. Like those things have to be embedded into it. And then the connection is going to be the new sort of differentiator of each space. Like how do you get people connected either within the space or connected with the staff of the space? Yeah. And some of that is going to be a combination of how we um, sort of design those spaces. So, I mean, it's easy to think about the workplace. If you go back to workplace for a second, is that it's easy to think about workplace becoming sort of like a club type scenario, right? Where you're yep. going there because you're going to collaborate or you're going to get together and you're going to socialize or it's going to be a big town hall meeting or mm-hmm. yep. some other such thing. And that, that is the, re, it becomes a destination. Now in hospitality um, spaces, they're already destinations, right? Yep. Yep. So it's, making sure that those destinations feel safe right that you yeah. want to go back there because people yeah. actually already want to go back to eat and drink together oh, yes. i mean in the height of this when oh, the yes. restaurants were taking it in the chin people were saying <laughs> restaurants are dead and i'm like you can't tell me that people aren't going to want to eat together at well, a restaurant ever again
1: I, uh, that's yeah, yeah. just
0: not going to happen
1: i i don't see that happening but but also imagine you know what 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 used to be dread uh associated with having to go into the office like oh god i got to go see these people again like mm-hmm. I, I can't think of anything more painful to the the feeling of excitement that we all get now from having, being able to see another human being of our age Yes. after months and months of not yes. being able to do so now going into the office is, is an event.
2: Yeah. My, it's, my, my first in-person staff meeting, I'm going to hug everyone in the room. I'm going to hug people onto the way to the bathroom. I'm going to hug. I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of hugging. It's you gonna you, gonna lots make, of you hugging. may want to yeah.
1: take that under advisement. There, yes. I <laughs> say. But, but yeah, I, I it, you don't have to be there all the time, but when you are there, it's yeah. time well spent. And and I think that's going to be a big differentiator for companies who can create a physical space that is safe and inviting and also creates an air of excitement that I'm part of something bigger than me. And the only way I can fully experience that is with other people F- from time to time.
0: And then if you think about the hospitality realms, part of what you're doing there is you're transporting someplace, somebody someplace else, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the whole role of kind of either resort travel or hotel travel, even if it's sort of an urban hotel or going to a restaurant where you might be trying a different cuisine. The lapping in the background is my big dog having a drink of water. Okay.
1: He is a say. thirsty, thirsty animal. Yeah, he's
2: in the beer. <laughs> he's enjoying animal. the homebrew. All
0: right. <laughs> yes. Um so that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to transport you somewhere else. So, you know, we have to make people feel safe so they can feel transported. Right. Mm. Like you go to like, Oh God, the theater, let's talk about the theater for a second. Like the whole point of the theater is for you to, you know, suspend disbelief for a minute and go somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: part of what's happening when you're in a hotel or restaurant, you're kind of suspending disbelief about where you are and enjoying a new experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to take you someplace else. So we're going to have to figure out how to do that. But we first got to lay the foundation of making sure everybody feels safe. Yeah. And then we got to connect them and then we can transport them.
1: Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a, the, the the right sequence of events. And I do love this notion of, you know, the office used to be the grind. Now it could potentially be the escape from the grind Whereby the grind, the grind is here. Yeah. Um, um, Although we love, we love working from home, but sometimes you want a change of scenery. And I think that's hopefully what we can get to. Yeah. Sometimes
0: it would be nice to put on real pants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of, listen, I, I am wearing a whole other side of my wardrobe these days. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm basically dressing like I'm seven. That's kind of what's going on. It's like, it's basically there's elastic. There's a lot of elastic going on. Oh, yes. And, I've okay. never known such comfort. Yes,
0: I have yes. a closet full of beautiful shoes that have no place to go yes yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. yes yes they will eventually uh, get taken out again uh, there's there's a there's a future there so Just why don't like the we, rest of us why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what you are what you are doing um, with the uh, the the New England workplace innovation committee like what what ideas is this team trying to come up with to kind of think through the challenges or the opportunities uh, going forward
0: so we our, the audience that we serve is sort of the architects and designers, and the and the rep community and the client community within New England, which is um, very heavily workplace focused and developer focused. Um, every st- Firm worth their salt out there is trying come on, just trying to come up with what is the next best thing. How can I figure out how to do that? Yeah, what we're yeah. trying to focus on is all the soft skills that go around and feed into that. So hmm. we just this past Thursday, we had our first webinar where it was sold out. We had a sold out Zoom meeting. Yeah. No more openings. And what we did was we talked about sort of the psychology of choice mm. and how that's going to be super important in getting people back into the workplace and how um you know, different types of leadership styles in terms of sort of servant leader versus boss leader. And then also engaging with all stakeholders and having them help sort of sculpt and feel like they're being a part of what it feels like to go back to the office Mm -hmm. versus telling people you will go back and this is what it will look like. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And having people understand that making those really um, high level organizational kind of like organizational psych changes in your point of view can really, um, benefit you going forward because yeah. Yeah. it's part of the social contract between an employer and an employee. So it's, it's really up the stakes in terms of compassion and empathy.
1: Yeah. yeah. and And also part of the social contract between citizens and, and it's, their leaders, right? Yes. So a lot of governors and uh, some some presidents who need to hear that message as well, don't
2: they? Phil, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: there you go. Yeah. TM.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's right.
0: You're down in DC there. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: It's it's every day. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> Mary. This is this is an incredibly insightful and 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 uh, uh, just an awesome conversation. Very timely. Um, yeah, you know, as we do at the end of uh, all mm-hmm. of our sessions. We start off, as of course, with uh, what are you drinking, but then we end with what are you stealing? So, Barry,
2: what are you going to steal from Marianne? Well, I'm going to steal optimism, I guess is what I'm going to say here. I think all of us who uh, have to generate ideas... Uh, you know, we develop a plan, we come up with a bunch of thinking. And then, you know, as John Lennon says, like life gets in the world, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. In this case, COVID yes. is what happens when you're busy designing hotels, restaurants, and <laughs> office spaces that are now yeah. sitting empty. Exactly. And and I have to imagine that all of the clients of Marianne f- f- have been freaking out probably over the past several months, but what I love is the way that she has looked forward and sort of seen the opportunities that exist, frankly, kind of in this. The, the the moment that hopefully I think this situation creates to really further embrace some of the ideas that were maybe partially embraced by the industry around designing for wellness, designing for cleanliness, designing for connection, and kind of seeing this not as, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was kind of building. Um, you know, it, it, you sort of like the, the panic, but instead, s- instead really focusing on it's the opportunity to kind of move forward and have a next generational wave, I think, of design that actually mm-hmm. embraces some of these things that are particularly heightened in importance right now in the COVID era. But I would argue are really actually what we probably should have been doing all along and the kinds of reasons why I'm going to want to go back into restaurants and hotels and and why I'm going to want to go back and see people in office spaces. So I think we're all going to, as idea generators, bump into kind of these unexpected bumps, I guess, along along our path. and, And we've got to kind of look for the opportunity, I think, in every situation like Marianne has. What are you going to steal, Phil?
1: Well, it's a bit of a continuation of that very same theme. There is a mm. a jazz drummer, a German guy named Jojo Mayer, mm. uh, who uh, there's a YouTube video out there. He says the best innovation comes from limitation, mm. and mm. I think we're kind of living that real time on a daily basis. When I think about what our kids are going through, my kids in particular, mm-hmm. um, who, and and the and the parents of these kids who are just really wringing their hands over. Um, you know, is it safe to go to school? Is it safe Mm -hmm. to, you know, there is, there is something, there is a role for all of us as designers and idea generators to play Mm -hmm. in sort of enabling human connection Mm -hmm. and, um, in the fear of connection. It's never, we've never seen a fear of connection before.
2: Yeah. Uh, and,
1: and we are now so, it, it is, isn't it, an, an empowering notion to know that you can design against fear, to design mm. away to design away fear, um, mm. in 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 the way that we design physical spaces. I think that's just a really powerful notion. I had actually never thought of it that way before, um, because it seemed like the physical space was a nuisance in every yeah. way, shape and form, but in fact, it could be our savior, yeah, if we, if we keep in mind cleanliness, empathy and connection. And yeah. I f- think that's, that is the way forward.
2: Yeah, I, do, I really do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Marianne, thank you for joining us. Um, Is there, is thanks there, for having me. I know, I know there are going to be people listening who are going to want to maybe kind of follow up or see some things like, is there, is there anything you want to plug? Are there any sort of like articles or, or things you want to, maybe places where people can go and learn a little bit more about, Either if you are a restaurant owner, how, you know, sort of interesting ways to get certified, kind of like what you're talking about. Or if you're a designer, interesting places to participate in this conversation around designing for connection and designing for health and wellness in the future.
0: So you should definitely check out the International Well Building Institute website. Um, Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of really good information about them thinking about um, how to get people in spaces going forward. Um, the other thing is the New England chapter of the IIDA is doing quite a bit of um, work on um, sort of what's next. And mm-hmm. we will be having another session coming up in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not sure what the subject matter is yet, but we know that it'll be something interesting around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking for new and fresh ideas on that. Um, and then um, I'm just going to say support your local restaurants and yes. your local hoteliers. So you're here. Um, one of the last projects that I worked on that's going to be opening in September is a great new boutique hotel in Cambridge in Central Square called 907 Main. And mm. it's worth a trip. because it's got a great roof deck and it's got a great outdoor space on the first floor. So you can come and take a visit.
2: You're here. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, why don't we wrap it up, Phil? I I mean, I usually, I usually like to say thank you to everyone for listening. We are, we are thrilled uh, that you're participating and talking with us and uh, enjoying this podcast. We're certainly enjoying it as well. Uh, So share the good news, Uh, encourage your friends to listen, encourage your friends to subscribe. Uh, You can subscribe to what bubbles up at Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and, you know, eight or nine other platforms that I always forget about. Or if you want to find individual episodes, uh, you can certainly go to what bubbles com. Phil, anything else? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please
1: feel free to do so by emailing us Mm -hmm. at whatbubblesup at gmail.com or on Twitter at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you so much to Marion Weiss for talking us through physical space design in the age of COVID. We'll see you on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of What Bubbles Up. If you'd like to share some of your ideas, or make a suggestion for future episodes, follow us on Twitter at whatbubblesup or send an email to whatbubblesup at gmail.com.